Or are you listening to this podcast now? Settle in, grab a cuppa, it's all welcome. It's the Velasco Fitness Collective Podcast with James and Ellie. Hey team, welcome to today's uh, edition of the Velasco Fitness Collective Podcast. Actually our 16th podcast, which is pretty cool, um, and the fifth one of this lockdown. Yeah. Um, James is with us today. How are you, James? Hi, yeah, I'm very well. How are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, and we are joined by Jono. Jono, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks, Ellie. Um, great to be on the uh, Velasco uh, podcast. Good to have you with us. So, uh, guys, today we are talking about balancing parenting and fitness. Um, Jono is obviously a parent himself, and he's going to give us his insights into balancing what he likes to do with his spare time and obviously having a small human in his life. Um, so before we kick off with the main part of the conversation or the uh, topic, we are going to, as per, get into the warm-up Q&A. Just to make sure John is feeling nice and limber, mobile, ready. Words that, words that have never been associated with me, Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. Okay, we ready? Yeah. Cool. Okay, so first nice one, first one, nice and easy. Favorite movement. Uh snatch. Absolutely. I think it's just because I've spent so long doing uh PT with you, Ellie, on that very specific movement that now I just absolutely love snatching, but to the detriment of all other Olympic lifting. <laughs> snatching is the better of the two. Yeah, um, definitely. Disagree. Yeah. Um on that note, then, uh, least favourite movement? Absolutely thrusters. When I did my uh, when I did my level one CrossFit um, coaching course, there's a workout in that course that all of the coaches, you know, the new coaches do, yeah. that included thrusters, got my ass absolutely handed to me. <laughs> and uh, unlike Stu, when he said that he now just does thrusters so much that he now actually likes them, I've uh, taken the opposite approach of uh, my relationship with thrusters. <laughs> was, it, um, was it the thruster and burpee workout in your level one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. Yeah. It was the uh, realisation that, because um, obviously that's quite a short, sharp workout, um, or the rep scheme was, I think it was 15 uh, thrusters, burpees, three rounds for time. And I had that realization that everybody around me was finishing. And on the CrossFit coaching course, all of the instructors start gathering around and cheering on the people who are, you know, bringing up the, the rear. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I was just like, oh, no, they're all coming around me, which means I'm <laughs> the last person to finish this workout. And I was just like, in, in my head, I was like, please go away. But then they were all like, come on, finish the workout. So, yeah, that was uh, Amazing. Yeah, interesting. That will stay with you for life. Okay, Fraser or Froning? Oh, uh, Fraser, um, no doubt. It's interesting because I only came to doing CrossFit sort of three and a half years ago. And yeah. so I've kind of been watching or following kind of high-level CrossFitters in the Fraser years rather than the Froning years. So I feel like it's the same sort of question when you get asked like, you know, Messi or Ronaldo or Pele. Like, you know, it's kind of you go with the generation yeah. where you were watching right um if you could recommend one book to somebody what would you recommend uh now this i i don't really do a huge amount of reading 
So uh, in terms of books, 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 uh, what book have I read? I mean, I have read some books. I quite like, I quite like reading Winnie the Pooh with Alfie. This is about balancing parenting with life, so we can well, go. Do you know what? That's my top tip for parenting. Because like, we read to Alfie before he goes to sleep each night. And there's a, it's a whole lot more enjoyable when you make the books something you enjoy reading to. Nice. So I'm like a big fan of like the Julia Donaldson books. Yeah. Especially books that rhyme. There's something great about reading rhyming storybooks. Um, so yeah, those are the books I recommend. Julia Donaldson's uh, series. Pancakes or waffles? We currently have a small man that demands waffles on an almost daily basis in this house. So I've then also been eating waffles because I keep making too much like mixture. So I'm going to go with waffles on that one. Nice. Um, if you could ask anybody, alive or dead, any question you wanted, and they had to answer it truthfully, who would you ask and what would you ask? I, I, th I thought this up earlier in the week, and it's a massive question. But I <laughs> I'd like to go back and find out if Isaac Newton actually saw an apple fall out of a tree and went, aha, gravity. Okay. Because <laughs> that's like that's one of those like you know everyday things that people say that's the that's the story, but it just seems you know given all of the complex maths involved in that, the fact that that was the moment of inspiration, I'd really like to just ask him if that was actually true. Like, yeah. Hey, so Jono, would you rather shout everything you ever said for the rest of your life at the top of your voice, or? only be able to talk for an hour a day hour a day easy yeah I, I like could you imagine how like absolutely draining it'd be every time you opened your mouth you just had to like shout jesus <laughs> that'd be uh, insane imagine how frustrating you can only talk for an hour a day though so 23 hours of your day of which you probably only spend seven or eight sleep maybe less with a child you can only talk for one of them you just make it purposeful. Is it like a consecutive hour or is it like a total uh, amount of time throughout the day? One hour. So it's like an hour slot. An hour slot. I still think I'd go with the hour slot. I just <laughs> make sure that, you know, that was the, that was my hour. If people wanted to talk to me, book your time. Um, final question. The, the classic now. Would you rather, if, if your only mode of transport could be a giraffe or a donkey, which would you choose? Donkey. Yeah. I knew, that, I knew today it was going to be a you say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a theory. I have a working theory on this about giraffe or donkey. And I'm not going to say what it is yet. I'm going to do a little bit more research, but I... I think you've already shared it. That huh? you've, you've already shared it, I think. That you think it, more creative people choose giraffe and more logical people choose donkey. Yeah, it's a bit more refined than that, but it's along those lines. But I'm, I'm getting to a point where I can judge almost... With 100% accuracy, who's going to say donkey and who's going to say giraffe? Right. Is this going to be your superpower, Ellie? You just, any person on the street, you can just be like, you spend five minutes with them and then you can be like, right, donkey or giraffe. Doing donkey or giraffe with people. I might get myself into trouble doing that. <laughs> <laughs> donkey! I mean, I'm sorry, I don't know. <laughs> okay, let's move on. So, Jono, yeah. two minutes. Do you want to give us a little bit of a rundown um, of... 
who you are, background, how you got to where you are now, um, include or exclude training as you see fit. Um, just give people listening who may not know you as well as we do a little bit of um, background info on, on Jono. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess on the like sport and fitness front, I've pretty much played all of the sports you could as a kid growing up. Um, my parents were really great at, you know, um, get me out to various like, you know, squash, tennis, rugby, football, cricket, like pretty much name it. And I've probably uh, played it. And I'd probably go as far to say that I'm, that's then fits in with my like jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of where I've been through in just what I enjoy doing in my spare time is playing sports, especially team sports. Um, and so before I came to CrossFit, I uh, used to play a lot of rugby. Um, locally in Bristol, I played for Canesham for a few years and then um, St. Brendan's, who played up at um, Coombe Dingle. Um, and um, I basically got to the point, it was when Alfie came along, that I, uh, I, I was just getting a bit concerned with all of the like, you know, research coming out around concussions and playing rugby and and I was kind of thinking to myself, and also the, my recovery time was just getting longer and longer. I'd play a game on a Saturday and be unable to train until the following game on the following Saturday because I was just broken. Um, so, yeah, I sort of hung up my boots. And then that's when I found CrossFit. So I started doing CrossFit about three and a half years ago. Um, just started as a member. Um, I actually started working across the road from Valesco at um, the Science Incubator. Um which was my, where I was working and I saw this gym across the road and I saw some people just lifting weights and running around looking absolutely like it was the hardest thing they'd ever done and I was like oh, I want some of that so uh, I rocked up um, I think I'm trying to remember I was trying to remember the other day who I met first when I walked through the door I think it was at you Ellie you're sort of telling me it was I, my, my memory is terrible <laughs> so I'll take your word for it um, and yeah, I sort of just more and more got into it. I'd always been interested in sort of coaching in the rugby context. So I'd been looking into sort of trying to start learning coaching in that context. And it was then when Ellie said that they were looking to do the internship for new coaches in CrossFit, I was just like, well, why not? I kind of saw it as a way to learn a bit about my own training. Um, I really have always liked um, trying to help other people um, achieve things. And I just thought, right, that looked good. So that's kind of my CrossFit training sports background. Um, and then sort of personally, I, I grew up in uh, the Midlands near Leicester. Um, so about as far from the seaside as you can get. So uh, to get a donkey ride, I had to go to Skegness, um, which was like... <laughs> um, and then um, I did all the like normal sort of just, you know, school and then went to York to do a, an undergrad degree in chemistry. Um in my final year, I went to Switzerland uh, for a year and lived in Basel, uh, which was really, really fun. Um, and then I moved to Bristol uh, to do a PhD, uh, again, the theme of chemistry. So I carried on doing the chemistry. Um, I then was lucky to be involved in an early stage startup, um, trying to make a glucose responsive insulin. Um, I can explain what, as you do. Um, and then, yeah, that company got bought by a big Danish pharma company um and then since then i've kind of moved i've been investing in early stage startups um kind of anything that impacts either the health of people or the health of the planet it was kind of my 
investment thesis that I've been following. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of what I do as a sort of day job now. That's me. Two minutes. <clears throat> nice. I'm Josh Gallo. That was succinct and informative. Good. Thanks. Growing up, my um, both of my parents um, had pretty just not great experiences of education. My dad especially. I think it's because my dad's really dyslexic. Um, and obviously when he was growing up, it just wasn't really a known thing or, you know, support mechanisms weren't there. He was also the youngest of five. And so he left school at 15 and throughout whenever I was growing up, he was just constantly saying like, I've always found it really difficult not having those kind of educational certificates behind me when he's been trying to get jobs. So like growing up, he was always kind of like focused on like that educational piece. Nice. it's really interesting because my wife Sarah um, was a secondary school teacher doing chemistry we actually met during our undergrad some cool chemistry geeks together and uh, like she always says that like parental support and engagement with education is like the most important thing and I can like say firsthand that that's why I sort of spent all that time in education was just from that sort of like my parents providing that kind of supporting environment Nice. Um, that probably leads us really nicely into the topic that we are going to discuss with you. So um, I went a little while back, just to give people some context, we were talking about, you know, um, the challenges of, you know, what, what brings us challenges when it comes to training. Um, and you suggested um, talking to everyone about the, from your perspective, balancing parenting and fitness. And I think more it's probably more relevant now than ever, given that we're in lockdown, because this will probably be relevant to people on a parenting versus kind of training um, balancing act, but also then comes into that working and still getting time out for yourself because the vast majority of people are confined to the four walls that they live in. So what was your, do you wanna just, I mean, give us a little, tell us who your small person is. Um, and then, yeah, just just let's get into it and, and uh, see where the conversation takes us. Yeah, sounds good. Um, my little person's called Alfie. Uh, he is three years and four months old. Um, he, when he came along, it was uh, a very much not planned. We did that classic thing, right? You spend all your life trying not to get pregnant. And then, you know, at some point, if you're in a, like a stable relationship with a partner, you sort of that conversation changes to, well, should we just see what happens and not not try? But, you know, we're not not trying to get pregnant anymore. Um, so anyway, we adopted that strategy, which uh, proved eventful and quite quick because within <laughs> about three, two weeks of being married, we found out we were expecting Alfie. Um, now. It was actually a really, like me and Sarah had quite a difficult period during Alfie when Sarah was pregnant because Sarah suffered from hyperemesis for the entirety of the pregnancy, which basically just like extreme morning sickness. Um, so like Kate Middleton is probably like a well-known example of someone who um, had hyperemesis throughout their pregnancy. Um, and yeah, that was pretty rough. Um, you know, Sarah ended up in hospital a few times um, just because, you know, keeping various fluids down and, and so on um, and I think there was just a lot of um, a lack of awareness in terms of how people can be su supported in 
you know, dealing with that kind of uh, condition when you're pregnant. Um, and but anyway, we, we we got through all of that, and then Alfie came along. Um, and I was saying to Ellie and James before we started recording this podcast, I can me- never remember Alfie's birthday, um, even though it's uh, September the 11th. So you know, pretty well-known date um so yeah that's when he came along and um yeah that's kind of who my little man is um sort of the story into him coming into the world um and I think it was interesting before he came along both me and Sarah sat down and sort of at least tried to say like what were our kind of non-negotiables in terms of time we wanted to set aside for ourselves and how we could like best support each other to do that for me it was training um it's incredibly good for my mental health um, when I am exercising and, and training. And so I said, like, that's what I'd like to pencil in. Um, and so yeah, that was the kind of the approach in the early days um, of, in terms of like, you know, at least having a plan before he came along. I love the I love that idea of being really intentional with actually sitting down and having a conversation around the non-negotiables. Um, did you did you find that your non-negotiables and, and Sarah's kind of just aligned or did you have you had to kind of change a few things to make make both of your non-negotiable things work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I went from training, I was a primarily evening trainer. Um, and I just found that once Alfie came along, by the time I'd gone to work, got home, trained, and then sorry, gone gone to work, trained and then got home that I was kind of missing out on Alfie time. So I sort of made the decision that I was going to create some time in the day for me to do it in the morning. Um, So I started training at 6am, doing it before work. Obviously, I was fortunate working across the road from Valesco that that made it, you know, I could sort of then get into work quite early and then finish a bit earlier as well, which then meant I was home for, you know, bedtime routine, and then I could do the bedtime routine and and so on. took me about four months to get used to training at 6am combination of having to actually go to bed um, uh, well I thought it was a non-reasonable time before Alfie you know like sort of like that 9pm bedtime Um, but then in the first year of Alfie's life I mean me and Sarah would sort of like Alfie would have settled and it'd be like 8pm we'd be lying in bed and we were like can we just go to sleep now is that is that allowed so uh, yeah that was the kind of and so it's a good example, I think, of how, although we had a plan, it had to, you know, no plans are fixed and you have to kind of move with the punches as they come. I think that's quite a lot of balancing parenting and and so on. Well, um, do you, have you found, obviously, Alfie's quite a small person at the minute. Have you found that as he's kind of grown up and developed that you're you've had to be more flexible with, okay, so training's your non-negotiable, but actually when you train and how you train, has that had to change as a result of Alfie going through different stages of going from being a baby to now a kind of confident, talkative time, kind of more demanding of your actual specific attention, kind of? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think, uh, well, especially then, because, you know, I mean, he's now had coming up to a year of his life in, you know, under global pandemic conditions. So obviously that's been quite a change in terms of when we fit exercise in. Uh, so like what we tend to do at the moment is like 
we'll get up together and then I'll also our breakfast because uh, me and Alfie eat first thing when we wake up, whereas Sarah doesn't eat a bit later. And so Sarah will exercise then. And then I have now, I've recently adopted a new strategy of I actually book into my work calendar when I'm going to exercise because I found that otherwise I get like work creep where I just kind of like, oh, I'll just do this or I'll just take that call. And then before you know it, that time's gone. And then you've got to the end of the day and you think to yourself, um, oh, I've not, I've not exercised today. Um, so, and then it's also interesting because as Alfie's got older, he now just wants to join in. And obviously when we've been working out at home and in the garden and stuff, he now, he now just comes out with me. And so it's absolutely hilarious. Um, watching him do like squats and lunges and star jumps because he's just absolutely loving it um and it's kind of cool in a way because growing up my, although my parents were really good at you know facilitating me playing sport they never really had a big place in their life for sort of exercise and you know moving in that respect and so I'm kind of quite keen for Alfie to try and see that me and Sarah both you know take exercising as you know part of you know like a role model type thing so that's quite cool honestly following on from that as well Jono, as, as well as the like when you manage to fit working out into your day has has evolved and developed has the way that you train changed it, it, the answer might simply be no but i imagine the more and more physically demanding it becomes being a parent i.e playing football with, with him in the garden or taking him on, on walks or, you know, carrying, carrying him around as he got heavier and bigger. Does that change the level of output that you're able to have or, or want to be able to have when you go and actually work out so that you're still, you know, you're not going home. Like the session I did yesterday, I came home and I was, you know, I could barely even look after my dog. So the idea of coming home <laughs> that state and then having a, a small human being to, to keep entertained you know is, is there an evol evolution in the way that you train as well yeah the answer is absolutely yes uh, it's not a no um it's interesting you said a few things though that just made me think of funny things so obviously when Alfie was born he was well they all do it in pounds right so he was quite a big baby he was like nine pounds four or something like that um and then obviously as we've gone to sort of you know using normal metric kilogram weightings we kind of weigh him quite regularly to see how big he's getting so anyway he now weighs about 18 kilos and it's funny because he still wants to be picked up <laughs> and so a few oh, it was back during like the break between the first lockdown and second lockdown we went and met some friends for a walk and it was probably the furthest we'd planned to walk with Alfie. So it was a three mile route. Um, and we sort of thought, you know, hopefully it'll be all right going around it. We'd plan some stops and stuff. Anyway, about 600 meters, maybe, maybe a bit more. It felt like, felt like more. He basically just gave up. He was like, I'm done with this walk. I'm tired. I want you to pick me up now. So anyway, I picked him up and sort of gave him a cuddle. He then proceeded to fall asleep. And then I had to do a bear hug like 800 meter walk with 18 kilos like just held in front of me like bobbing around um so yeah the sort of physical exertion of uh, just getting him out of the house and someone told me recently that having kids is a bit like having pets that as long as you like walk them once or twice a day and get them outside then they're like energy levels and like mood is man more manageable yeah. um and then like 
on the intensity of training like absolutely I think it's to do with like sleep to be honest you know it, especially in the early days where like you were having really disturbed night sleep um you just you kind of have to just listen to your body like it's you know although it's a non-negotiable for, for me training I just had to come in and sort of you know if I was feeling rough just sort of do 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 it because I was enjoying it and not worry too much about like I need to be making gains um I know Ellie probably saw me through all, all manner of various you know like energy levels um so yeah that's cut yeah the answer is yes um and I think it's just cutting yourself some slack you know why is that whole like why thing like why are you doing it and for me I'm doing it because I enjoy it and therefore yeah. you know I try to cut myself some slack if I'm you know can't push myself to the limit nice you've you've talked uh you've touched on it in this podcast and actually you and I've talked about this quite a bit in the past as well and, and it's about the kind of the mental health side of training and it being super important to you um I know from talking to other parents as well that this kind of guilt that parents carry um around feeling like all of their time should be devoted to their children but actually needing time for them and I know that from your perspective training is really important from a mental health perspective so how do you do you find a balance between do you carry guilt setting yourself time aside from Alfin saying yes he could you know I could be spending this time with him but actually for this one hour a day my mental health is gonna take priority and if you do how do you how do you rationalize that with yourself so that you make sure that you do take enough time for you because it's that it's the same with you know if you invest all of your time and energy into Alfie ultimately if you're not taking time out for yourself your time and energy for Alfie is going to be the quality is going to be lower because you're not in the best you're not feeling your best so how do you do you do you have guilt when you take time out for yourself yeah absolutely parent guilt is uh, absolutely huge um, <laughs> I think uh, it was especially bad for me in the first year of Alfie's life where obviously both me and Sarah were new parents um neither of us have you know <laughs> raised a small human before and so what I retrospectively realized was it was a lack of communication between me and Sarah for me actually verbalizing that I was feeling guilty about going out and exercising and then leaving in my head I was leaving her at home having to look after Alfie by herself um Whereas me and Sarah have since spoken about that kind of time. And she said, well, I saw it as a way that if you did those, if you didn't go out and exercise, you were like a miserable bastard. So she, she was like, it was, she, she was like happy that I was going out and taking that time for myself. But again, it, that parent guilt was still there. Um, and I think now like as Alfie's, Although in some ways he's more intense because he wants your attention and wants your input, um, he is easier now that he's older. You like you can completely talk to him. You, you know, it, there's no kind of communication barrier like there is when they're little. I think that's helped with easing that parent guilt a little bit. Um, but it's interesting because it just transitions to a new area. So I often get parent guilt around, you know, am I in, when I am spending time with Alfie? am I giving him all of my attention? But then if you like sort of thinking about that, like that's probably an unreasonable expectation that I have of myself 
to be like 100% present 100% of the time when I'm with Alfie. Um, and so managing that guilt is something that I've been kind of working on recently. Um, and is actually one of our members, um, Vera Caddy, who's a, um, a coach, a mindset coach. So I've been working with her for the last, it was actually because of you guys, because uh, I think you um, said that Vera was doing a, um, a workshop and you put it on the Facebook group. And mm-hmm. so I sort of, I went along and I, was, I wasn't really expecting anything. I just sort of was interested. And then I sort of followed up with Vera afterwards. And we've been working quite a lot on just like mindset around like challenging, you know, what you're thinking and feeling and how that affects your, you know, actions coming out of the other end. And something I've recently found with, especially parenting is, well, make it fun for yourself. Like if it's fun for you to do, spending time with Alfie, if it's fun for me, Alfie loves it. Like, like he loves exercising with me because I like doing it and everything we do. So like recently I bought a massive box of Lego because I like building Lego. So me and Alfie just sit next to each other building things and I'm having a good time and he's having a good time. And that's completely changed my approach to how I sort of feel in those situations. Um, And then the second one was this whole, I realized that I react badly to when I think I have to do something or I should be doing something. Whereas if I like choose to do it, then I'm fully on board. So every time now I've been parenting and I'm thinking to myself, I I have to do this, I should be doing that. I trying to change it around and think like, why am I choosing to do this? And again, that's helped me a lot, me personally a lot um, recently as well. Nice, Johnny. Is there? Um, I, I really appreciate that insight. You know, thank you for sharing. Is there just a question that I had a little bit earlier on while you were talking? Are there regular? I can imagine having Alfie about things can change probably with fairly short notice. Um, are there any kind of regular challenges that you face with either your workouts having to be either moved out of a given day, let's say you were planning on training, something happens and, and you can't train anymore that day, so you have to move it out, or cut your workout short, or maybe reorganize your your day as a result of something happening. Does, does that sort of thing, because if I think about the stuff that not frustrates me, but maybe throws my day out a little bit more and the stuff that I'd find more challenging, it's when I as you do, kind of plan things into my calendar. I know how my day is going to look. I know roughly what I'm going to do one after another. And then all of a sudden, a couple of things change, things switch up and all, and then I can't get my workout in, or then my workout is much shorter than I plan to do, you know, or I don't get to spend the time with Sonny that I was originally planning to, to spend with him. As those things happen, A, do they happen? B, if they do, what are the kind of regular things that you see and what do you do in advance to try and kind of prevent or circumnavigate things that you think might happen happening? Yeah, right. I can tell you, this is a very good uh, good point, James, because it happened literally last night. So I said to Sarah, I was like, I was going to train while she was doing bedtime. Um, so that's kind of like, bedtime routine in our house starts at like half five we'll sort of go upstairs like bath 
and then you know read stories and then sort of get him to bed by seven and sounds perfect it does sound perfect um and <laughs> obviously i was exercising so alfie was just like i don't want to go to bed i want to watch daddy outside exercising so I was um, last night because I was I was squatting and various other bits rather than having to because our garden's down some steps. So whenever I'm doing things like that, I kind of carry things out to the front drive and just move the car. And so I was doing it outside and he was just stood there like nose pressed against the window, like looking at me, refusing to go upstairs. Um, and anyway, so I eventually got him upstairs and then um this week, Alfie had his um, MMR jabs. And so he had his two, he basically refused to take the two little plasters that the nurse had put on his arms off. So anyway, it's been like 72 hours. They're looking a bit gammy, like me and Sarah, like, like we need to get these plasters off. Anyway, that proceeded to scream blue murder in the back. It sounded like she was murdering him. Um, so anyway, she texts me and just said, right, can you come inside and just help me, like help me sort of get him off. So anyway, all I did last night was five sets of five squats because by the time I'd got all the kit out there and then set, done it and then Sarah texted me and I'd put it all away, I was like, right, that's what I've done. So in my head, I was a bit like, oh, that's a bit annoying. Um, but I think it's that whole, that's like life. You know, things are going to happen and I get to train today. So I'm focusing on what, when, I, when I can now next train rather than what's happened. And also I tried to now think of part of the reason I've now been booking time in my calendar is because I realized if I didn't, that was me planning ahead for an obstacle. Mm -hmm. So that was me saying like, I know I keep missing workouts if I don't book it in. So I'm trying to plan ahead for it going wrong before it happens. So I feel more prepared. Nice. Love that. Is that, John, I'm, I'm a big fan of booking stuff in something. I don't, I don't have children um but i'm a big fan of booking my training into the diary um because in well actually during lockdown or otherwise um my days can change fairly rapidly and i found that if i didn't book time in again it's that it's that work creep isn't it um and, and tying that in with something else that you've said in terms of being present and it's something that i've found has actually helped is do you do you find that even if things don't go to plan and even if your the things in your diary that have been booked have to move that by having time set aside for work and time set aside for you and then time set aside in this context for Alfie but for people who don't have children like their partner or or any other important people in their life that having those things booked in day means that you are able to be more present in all of those different scenarios because mentally you're, you've kind of compartmentalized it already so instead of being with Alfie thinking oh god but I need to do this for work and when am I going to train you're like I know that I'm with Alfie right now and everything else is kind of taken care of yeah absolutely I think um it's, it's much better to be present when you're doing something um I kind of like would refer to it a bit like that whole idea of like focusing like I think when it when it's come to work I've always been able to really focus on like getting things done in a in the time that I need to get them done by um, and I've always been quite efficient at doing that I don't think that's been true in my like 
non-work life always. And again, like with the parenting piece, there was this kind of assumption from me that, you know, I, I needed to be focused on an activity, but parent, parenting often can't be focused because of, you know, they're little people, they're learning all the time, they're challenging boundaries all the time as well. Um, and so again, that whole idea of, you know, by having it compartmentalized, sorry, that was challenging my uh, linguistic skills for a second, um, that it helps you to be engaged when you are doing something, especially related to parenting. And as I said, since I've kind of adopted the whole doing things that I find fun, and then it, Alfie always seems to then respond to that. So like, you know, we go up to Lee Woods quite a lot um, to go walk around there, mostly because I found out because of Alfie that there's six cows that live in Lee Woods um, and roam around eating grass. And so we always go looking for the cows. And then there's like a good little like outdoor climbing area with like loads of uh, trees and stuff and like, I really enjoy going up there it's really peaceful like you know you get you, there's some quite cool views back over like the suspension bridge and stuff mm. and Alfie has like a whale at the time and he can just be there like you know sometimes I've just you know taken a mug of coffee and just sat down and just chilled out while Alfie's just playing yeah. and it's that whole like shared enjoyment aspect um so again yeah um yeah absolutely right Ellie the going I'm doing this and I'm just going to focus on that I've tried yeah I've recently tried to start doing that when I've been parenting as well um Jono so question then on maybe some other aspects of lifestyle that can change quite dramatically when children are involved mm. how do you now and how did you when Alfie was a lot younger deal with probably less than ideal sleep how did that um yeah i mean in the early days um i can't remember who it was that told me they were just like for the first especially for the first like three months all they do is sleep eat and shit so it's a pretty regular routine and it can be broken down into like two hour slots um and equally they also don't move like when you put them down somewhere in that at that age they pretty much stay there um and so in those early days someone said to me sleep when they're sleeping so it we kind of adopted more of a like nap throughout the day um type process uh, and that worked really well um as he got older um we tended to sort of start doing it in a bit more like sort of shifts so like sarah sort of handled especially because sarah breastfed alfie which just meant through pure attachment to Sarah that in terms of feeding him during the night I couldn't really do much and so we came to the kind of realization and I think Sarah said to me has said to me that she stopped resenting me for not getting up and feeding Alfie because she realized that I couldn't do it now obviously we sort of explored for a little while kind of you know pumping and like then I could give Alfie um, breast milk via a bottle at night but then you know absolutely he did not partake in that so um, that quickly died a death and then we also were like you know having to sterilize everything and it yeah. you know it just also made it more challenging I think than it would have been otherwise um, so yeah early days it was sleep when they're sleeping um, and then as time's gone on we've I mean 
Alfie still sleeps in bed with us. Like, I mean, I, 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 lots of people, like, like parents I talk to, and then I say that to, they're then like, oh yeah, like our kids still sleep in bed with us at that, like, you know, two, three age, or, you know, and older. Um, and it's because we again realise that like, he sleeps better. So what we do now is we put him to bed in his bed um, and then he normally like wanders into us when he wakes up and needs a wee because um, small people have got tiny bladders. So that's about tw- twice a night. Um, and he then just comes and gets in bed with us. And like we then sort of don't, we kind of wake up, but not really. And we just get better sleep. So I think the advice I found useful or would be to other people is just like do whatever works for you guys uh to like you know get through it i think that's the you know mm. that's the key thing and you know sleep when you can yeah i think it's a good point like i think sleep generally is you know that like seven to nine hours for a lot of people is is a is a goal for for some people it's easy and, and just what they're used to but i think it can definitely be cumulative you know like nutrition across you know a, a week looking at a day in isolation or maybe like an unbroken sleep of a stint of sleep in isolation you can probably get a little bit caught up in that not being enough but I think if you bolt on you know napping generally you bolt on a couple of 30 minute naps throughout the day or you know you manage to pick up two hours somewhere you know sleep being cumulative is is not a bad thing Um, and also like you know occasionally now like we sometimes sleep separately so me and Sarah sleep in separate beds and then Alfie will just come and get in with one of us because again then that means that one of us has had like a undisturbed I think that's this me and Sarah talked about this a lot that like there's this assumption that like if you're in a relationship you need to share a bed with each other to like make sure that you're like in a strong relationship (laughs) when people go get into bed and sleep because they need to sleep and it's about kind of that whole idea of I guess sleep quality yeah preservation yeah so you know we're you know I've you know happily tell people that we sometimes sleep separately because it just helps us you know feel like we've got energy the next day yeah no that's a really good point actually I guess you know the moment you close your eyes and you actually fall asleep whether you're laying next to somebody or not, probably doesn't, you know, what you're doing up until that point is your own prerogative. But I guess when you're actually asleep, <laughs> it's all about preservation of quality. So actually, that's a really good point. Um, yeah. How about nutrition? I assume that's something else that's probably changed. You know, when I cook, when I come home and cook in the evening, I'm cooking what I want to eat. And at most, I have to cook that for two people. I guess now having to, without fail, feed three different people and one of those you know one of those three having a significantly different diet how does that look yeah I mean we have to three feed three people and a cat but because Alfie's now old enough he's now taken responsibility for feeding the cat which is both really really cute and uh yeah he just now comes down and goes shouts Mia and uh down she trots and then he like sticks it in a bowl and uh it's all uh completely outsourced now so finally getting some payback for all of those uh, early years of parenting. Um, in terms of like nutrition, um, we definitely like weaning, you know, that was, you know, they always say like from the age that they start like chewing things and showing an interest in putting things in their mouth. Um, that's when you sort of start the weaning process. And it's not about nutrition at that point. It's about them learning how to, 
swallow, where their gag reflex is, like how to eat. And it's just about getting familiar with fruit foods. And it's interesting because you then, we entered a phase with Alfie that we, you know, you, you think you've cracked it as a parent because he was there like devouring broccoli and like vegetables and just, you know, was just eating like pretty much whatever you put in front of him. Um, and then as he's got older, uh, that's very much now transitioned to either fish fingers and or chicken nuggets, some sort of potato and peas and sweet corn. And if you put that in front of him, it'll be gone in like 30 minutes, like, like that. Whereas if you put something that me and Sarah are eating in front of him, he just looks at it and goes, can I not have fish fingers? <laughs> and you're like, so I guess it's one of those things, like I try to sort of, you know, because he is eating. I think it's interesting actually with Alfie because, and I've realised this, his appetite regulation is so innately tuned in comparison to mine like Alfie eats as much as he needs to it's so obvious when he's growing because he just starts eating everything and then when he's not growing he kind of like grazes like you know he'll eat you know a little bit for breakfast snacks are a big part of Alfie's life I mean the kid's basically snacking 24 7 uh, can I have a snack daddy is <laughs> probably up there with most said phrases um and yeah so even though you know you think to yourself like oh fish fingers and you know waffles or whatever it is I'm giving him I know that he's eating he's he's growing you know I kind of am sort of at peace with it but yeah there's definitely that period where you think you're just like yes we've cracked it and then you realize that all small children just like beige food um so I, I guess still on nutrition then and just briefly that that covers a lot of kind of Alfie's diet and I guess the approach that many parents want to take towards making sure that their child or children are, are eating healthily and, and making sensible decisions but I guess there's only so much control you can kind of have over that if you know your obsession is fish fingers and, and chicken nuggets although there's probably worse obsessions to have how how do you and Sarah is it fairly straightforward for you guys to maintain a healthy diet and, and a, a nutritional approach that, that you feel is, a, is appropriate for you both? And how do meal times change when you have a child as well? Do you, does Alfie just eat when you eat or do you more f fall to his schedule? Um, that's a funny one, actually, because when I was growing up, um, we always ate dinner at like quarter past five because I always remember we'd eat dinner and then we'd sit down and watch Neighbours uh half five um, that, was like my, <laughs> that was like my entirety of like growing up Sorry about that. and that was like the entirety of my growing up was that kind of routine at quarter past five dinner neighbors at half five and, you watched and home and away as well uh no we weren't home and away well i say we i mean it was all my mum right she was the, the soap <laughs> queen in our house um but it was also the golden age. Do you remember like on like BBC Two when there'd be like actually cool programmes on from six o'clock? So there'd be like The Simpsons from six till six thirty. I think like Robot Wars, Clarissa oh, Knows It All. Robot Wars. <laughs> Loved it. That was, those are the days. Um, anyway, so then obviously as we like, I grew up and then we'd start eating later, maybe like sort of seven, eight o'clock. Um, and then I've realised it's as soon as you have a kid, you start eating when they eat. So uh we often eat dinner at maybe quarter to five. Um, and that's when we eat in the evening. Um, 
again because it fits in with bedtime routine and yeah, as yeah. soon as Alfie's in bed me and Sarah kind of like to just collapse on the sofa um and so the thought of then like having to cook and then wash up at that time just you know doesn't fit in um yeah, in terms yeah. of what we're eating um we use um we get hello fresh deliveries um, although i'm sure others are available um <laughs> and um we find that's quite useful because it just gets that variety in of like eating different things because i think it's really easy when you're parenting to just slip into a bit of a habit of eating the same things every evening um or you know like on a weekly schedule like we're gonna have this on this day this on that day so um and the nice thing about those meals is that they're like nutritionally balanced so you can ahead of choosing what you're going to have for the week me and sarah on a very low effort level i think that's key here as well on a very low effort level can at least sort of think like you know are we having like a couple of like really highly calorific meals one day and then sort of balance it off another day and like you know i think that helps um and also that does work with alfie as well so like most of those meals we portion up some for alfie and we go down the route of you know we know things that he like he really likes chicken noodle stir fry but bizarrely so that's like one of the few things where if there's vegetables in it but it's got chicken and noodles his other two food groups um he devours that so like we've started eating quite a lot of like stir fry type meals just because we know alfie will eat it um so yeah i think it's like you know a bit of a bit of a balance and um i think we've tried to create mechanisms that make it easy to at least you know 70 percent of the time we try to eat well and then sort of accept that you know occasionally you need to get a delivery to get you through the day it's, it's another really nice example actually of stuff that we've talked about recently you know planning your time when you aren't busy you know plan your time in your downtime so you can be intentional don't shop when you're hungry so you can be intentional and i guess this is another variation of that yeah i'm a dangerous man i'm a dangerous man when i'm hungry yeah me too like it is not good in any any shape or form (laughs) yeah and i think that's another example of you know you and sarah sitting down and doing a hello fresh order pre-planning all of your meals so that you know throughout the week it takes the decision making away and, and you're going to cook what you've already decided you're going to cook and it probably makes it that bit easier so yeah really nice example thanks Johnny. I, I also eat the same thing i eat the exact same thing for breakfast apart from the days when i make alfie waffles i eat overnight oats with fruit every day for breakfast because i just don't have to think about it like <laughs> i'm like that's what i eat for breakfast now that is what i do with a black americano and that's my like morning routine strong nice Jono thank you that's been super insightful um and I'm sure really helpful to a lot of people out there so your three top tips yeah uh first one was that um creating time and space for each of the people in the relationship to at least on the exercise front give themselves time to do it um and having an open discussion around you know what why like what you want to give that time for um Thinking about why you're doing any of it, like why are you trying to follow a healthy eating plan? Why are you trying to exercise? If you get comfortable with why you're doing it, um, I've recently been working on the idea of committing to something and it's much easier to commit to things if you are happy with your why. And that, you know, I think I said it earlier that once I was happy that I'm training for my kind of mental well-being and because I enjoy doing it, 
I then was able to, you know, cut myself slack when things, you know, I could only train for a little bit or, you know, I couldn't train to the same intensity. So that's probably the second, figure out your why. Uh, and then the third would be, you've got another person in your life now or multiple people, you know, I've only got one kid and, you know, there's lots of people out there with lots more kids. Um, if you enjoy something, try to get them involved as well. Um, you know, um, try and, you know, be a role model of, you know, exhibiting behaviors that you'd like them to pick up because I think the one thing I've realized with kids is that they learn through kind of osmosis of being around you right it's just by being with you they pick things up um you know the good and the bad things so uh you know I think good exercise and nutrition approaches are things that I'd like to model to Alfie so um try and incorporate them in it you know we cook a lot with Alfie you know, that's also, that's always entertaining. So, uh, yeah, things like that. Perfect. Thanks ever so much, Jono. Um, on that note, um, I think we'll probably round it off there. James, have you got any shout outs that you wanted to do this week? Yeah, I'm going to give just a real quick shout out to my um, last Sunday, I coached the Zoom class in the morning. Um, went probably a little bit overboard on my pfc coffee shop concept with my set menu but everybody that turned up yeah i think kate phillips summarized it the best on on the velasco facebook group and she said that it's the sort of thing that if she had seen ahead of time she would probably not have been as keen to log in and do the workout and it's definitely the one that when i programmed it and looked back at it it was one I kind of thought, yeah, that this is one that would really put me off. Like if it came up on a program, I'd really struggle to, I, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd try and do it, but I wouldn't, it's not one I'd look at and go, oh, that looks really like fun. I really want to do that. I knew it was going to be tough. And she called that out and, and actually everybody was, was super thankful. All, you know, commented on the fact that they were really glad they'd done it, that they needed it that Sunday morning and actually those workouts for me are almost the most rewarding, the ones you don't want to do and you're not looking forward to, but you do anyway. Um, and everybody works super hard. So if you were all part of that Sunday morning crew, thank you for turning up. Thank you for working hard. I enjoyed it. Um, I have since done the workout as well, if that makes you feel any better. Um, can confirm it was horrible, but felt great after having done it. Um, but yeah, that's probably my shout out. It's my Sunday morning crew from... Sunday the don't know what it was like 15th 16th whatever it was thank you um I've got a shout out Henry Winston another one of our coaches um he has been growing his hair for a really long time um he shaved off his facial hair in November for November uh, much to the surprise of a lot of members who came into the gym and actually didn't recognize him uh, but more recently he chopped off his long locks um and donated them to the Little Princess Trust. So Henry, good on you, mate. You're always doing things for charity. Um, so yeah, massive, massive well done. Um, Love that. Yeah. I won't ever be in that position to grow my hair out, but uh, maybe I can do the beard. Sure. <laughs> we'll hold you to that next November. <laughs> this November, Crikey, we're in 2021. Okay, cool. Well, Jono, thanks for staying. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Um, thank you for your candidness and your honesty um james as always thank you you're welcome 
Yeah, cheers for having me, guys. It's been uh, good fun. And, uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, it's, it's, it's probably worth mentioning at this point as well that sadly, at some point, Jono will not be with us for a huge amount of time long. That's not to say that we won't have him on the podcast again at some point. Um, so, yeah, if you've enjoyed it, Jono, we'd love to have you back at some point. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I think uh, I'll, I'm going to have to come back anyway because I think, I think we're probably going to be in lockdown before we, uh, me and Sarah um, and Alfie move. So uh, I'm going to have to come back to do a kind of say goodbye workout. And yeah. uh, maybe I'll leave it until we can actually maybe go out and have a beer as well. Because, uh, you know. 100%. That would be, be awesome. Good. That would be awesome. Cool. Thanks for listening, guys. And we will talk to you again soon. Bye.